Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I am Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Matthew chapters 25 and 26 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 25, Introduction Jesus gathers his disciples at the Mountain of Olives to teach them about the end times and the second coming of Christ. This chapter includes the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, the sheep and the goats. Chapter 25 then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. Those who were foolish, when they took their lamps, took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, come out to meet him. Then... All those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, What if there isn't enough for us and you? Go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. While they went away to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Most certainly I tell you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you don't know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. For it is like a man going into another country, who called his servants and entrusted his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. Immediately, he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. In the same way, he also, who got the two, gained another two. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who received the five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Behold, I have gained another five talents in addition to them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who got the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Behold, I have gained another two talents in addition to them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you don't sow and gathering where you didn't scatter. I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the earth. Behold, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I didn't sow and gather where I didn't scatter. 
You ought therefore to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received back my own with interest. Take away therefore the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who doesn't have, even that which he has will be taken away. Throw out the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Before him all the nations will be gathered, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will tell those on his right hand, Come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer them, Most certainly I tell you, because you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say also to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in, naked, and you didn't clothe me, sick, and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and didn't help you? Then he will answer them, saying, Most certainly I tell you, because you didn't do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Greek word for eternal refers to the eon and means age long. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever talk about infinity as such and trying to place the biblical narrative into the context of events such as the Big Bang or into a timetable spanning billions of years is missing the point of scripture. The Bible is the story of God's relationship with humanity, starting from the dawn of human consciousness 6,000 years ago with Adam and Eve, building to the climax of Jesus Christ, who represents the pinnacle of human possibility, and looking forward to the end of this terrestrial human eon, where humanity as a whole, through the grace of God, will be given the chance to transcend our earthbound consciousness and take our place in the sky, in heaven, among the celestial hosts. We are now living at a time where even tourists can book flights into orbit, into space, into heaven itself. Don't let the skeptics fool you. We are not alone. We have never been alone, as scripture makes abundantly clear, and we are closer than we think to reaching the end of the current age. The parable of the sheep and the goats 
does a great job of illustrating what it means to have cosmic consciousness. The difference between a sheep and a goat lies in the wool of the sheep, a renewable resource which can be used to clothe humanity even without the sheep's knowledge. In the context of this parable, human compassion is likened to the wool of a sheep, and Jesus explains that by extending compassion to the most vulnerable among us, we are extending the same compassion to God himself. Why? Because God is within all of us. This is what happened 6,000 years ago when God blew the breath of consciousness into the nostrils of Adam, and Adam suddenly became aware of himself in relationship to God. This spark of divine consciousness then spread from Adam and Eve across the entire world, and it's what has always separated humanity from the other creatures of Earth. The more we suppress this divine spark of humanity, the more we revert to our original animal existence from before the intervention of God. The other New Testament writers refer to the church as the body of Christ, a metaphor which echoes the same principle as the parable of the sheep and the goats, that your brothers and sisters in God are the embodiment of the Father himself who created us in the image and likeness of God. The division between the sheep and the goats is the division between those who are faithful to this principle and those who are not and is similar to the previous division from the parable of the ten virgins, where the five wise virgins had enough oil to trim their lamps for the arrival of the bridegroom, while the five foolish virgins did not have enough oil. In the parable of the ten virgins, oil represents faith, which is something you definitely won't want to run out of at the time of the second coming. Faith is also something which is not easily shared, and it would be foolish indeed to place your faith in someone who does not have it. How do you build your supply of faith? The parable of the sheep and the goats teaches you how. By answering the prayers of others, you will increase your confidence that your own prayers will be answered in turn. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 26 Introduction Having completed the Olivet Discourse, Jesus brings his destiny swiftly into fulfillment at the Passover Supper, an ancient Jewish rite which lay at the very core of Jewish culture. The Passover was, and still is, a dinner consisting of lamb, bitter herbs, unleavened bread, and wine and commemorated the liberation of the Israelites from slavery to the Egyptians in the 15th century BC. After Yahweh sent the prophet Moses to the Egyptian Pharaoh to ask him to let his people go, Pharaoh refused, and God sent nine horrible plagues to convince Pharaoh to change his mind. However, Pharaoh hardened his heart and continued to deny Yahweh's request, culminating in the 10th and final plague, where God sent the angel of death to slay the firstborn male child of every Egyptian family, including their livestock. Before this final plague would take place, 
Each Israelite household was instructed to sacrifice a year-old lamb and smear its blood upon the mantle of their doorframe, indicating to the angel of death that he should pass over this household and spare its children from the death of the firstborn. They were to roast the lamb with fire and eat it quickly with unleavened bread and sandals upon their feet, because the very next day they would need to pack up their things, leave Egypt, and be slaves no more. This chapter includes the plot to kill Jesus, Jesus anointed at Bethany, Judas agrees to betray Jesus, preparing the Passover, the Last Supper, Jesus predicts Peter's denial, Jesus prays at Gethsemane, the betrayal of Jesus, Jesus before the Sanhedrin, Peter denies Jesus. Chapter 26 When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. They took counsel together that they might take Jesus by deceit and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest a riot occur among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster jar of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw this, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. However, knowing this, Jesus said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has done a good work for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. For in pouring this ointment on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Most certainly I tell you, wherever this good news is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of as a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? So they weighed out for him thirty pieces of silver. From that time he sought the opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain person and tell him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus commanded them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when evening had come, he was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Most certainly I tell you that one of you will betray me. They were exceedingly sorrowful, and each began to ask him, It isn't me, is it, Lord? He answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man goes even as it is written of him, but woe to that man through whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who betrayed him, answered, It isn't me, is it, Rabbi? He said to him, You said it. 
As they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it. He gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, and gave to them, saying, All of you, drink it. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. But I tell you that I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me tonight, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter answered him, Even if all will be made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Most certainly I tell you that tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. All of the disciples also said likewise. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and severely troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went forward a little, fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not what I desire, but what you desire. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, My father, if this cup can't pass away from me unless I drink it, your desire be done. He came again and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. He left them again, went away, and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let's be going. Behold, he who betrays me is at hand. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who betrayed him had given them a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss, he is the one sees him. Immediately he came to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, why are you here? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I couldn't ask my father and he would even now send me more than twelve legions of angels? 
How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? I sat daily in the temple teaching, and you didn't arrest me. But all this has happened that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Those who had taken Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But Peter followed him from a distance to the court of the high priest and entered in and sat with the officers to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and the whole council sought false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, and they found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Have you no answer? What is this that these testify against you? But Jesus stayed silent. The high priest answered him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. Nevertheless, I tell you, after this you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of the sky. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He is worthy of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you, Christ, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the court, and a maid came to him, saying, You were also with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out onto the porch, someone else saw him and said to those who were there, This man also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath, saying, I don't know the man. After a little while, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech makes you known. Then he began to curse and to swear, I don't know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Then he went out and wept bitterly. Peter's denial of Jesus makes it crystal clear how much the human soul is broken and in need of salvation, because Peter was himself the most ardent of Jesus' followers. Although Simon Peter was the first person to confess Jesus as the Christ, it wasn't until Jesus' arrival in Bethany that this title of Christ was actually fulfilled. The word Christ in Greek or Messiah in Hebrew literally means anointed or covered in oil. And the woman in Bethany who poured the jar of perfume over Jesus' head actually performed the ceremony which anointed Jesus as king over Israel. Because Jesus was the prophesied seed of the woman, 
from Genesis chapter 3 who would crush the head of the serpent, it was fitting that a woman perform the anointing rather than a man. The symbolic meaning behind the Last Supper is so incredibly rich, we could talk about it for days. By presenting the Passover bread as his own body and wine as his own blood, Jesus made himself into the Passover lamb, which would be sacrificed the next day at his crucifixion, whose crucifixion would atone for the original sin of humanity and cause death itself to pass over all who believe in Christ, resulting in everlasting life for all believers. Exactly how does this atonement work? That's the mystery of it. And hopefully, when we read through the Old Testament, we can gain insight into the hidden meaning within these symbols. The Christian practice of Holy Communion, a ritual where believers eat bread representing the body of Christ and drink wine representing his blood, allows Christians to participate in the Last Supper today. When brought before the high priest of the Temple of Jerusalem, the only crime of which he could accuse Jesus was the crime of being the Son of God. Was Jesus going to lie and say that he wasn't? This is the same dilemma faced by humanity today. Who exactly are we in the end? And what exactly are we to do about it? John chapter 3 verses 19 through 21 say, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light. For their works were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and doesn't come to the light, lest his works would be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his works may be revealed that they have been done in God. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode where we will be reading the final chapters of the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 27 and 28, King of the Jews. This is Arthur Milliken saying, Good night and God bless.